today I want to talk to you about uh, our, our neighbor uh, and the fact that one of the ways that, that you become a good neighbor is by spending some time with other people. You know, one of the big criticisms of Jesus was that he spent time not just with his disciples, but he spent time with sinners of all things. Religious people really got upset with Jesus because he spent time with sinners. Hello, that's what he came for. That's what he came for. And if you and I are to be like Jesus, we've got to do life with people. We've got to interact in their lives. It don't mean that uh, we, we're in the world, we're not of the world, but we're not isolated from the world either. We're supposed to be a part of that. Let me give you my text today. It's found in Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. For none of us lives to himself. Look at this on the screen. And no one dies to himself. Whether you realize it or not, the earth is not a place for hermits. Not in the human family. God didn't create it that way. God never intended it that way. In fact, here's what God said. God said it's not good for man to be alone. That's why God gave him a help meet. And that's why God gave procreation power so that we could uh, extend the human race because God wants a big family. God has a big family and he loves to see his family uh, acting together. Uh, somebody told me years ago, said God created the heavens and the earth and he made man. God said, that's good. But he said, I believe I can beat that. And then God made woman. And, uh, and sure enough, he did. He, he, he made the, the, uh, the other part of the human family. And together, the, the, the husband and the wife in a marriage that, uh, that is based on the foundation of God's Word and lived out by the principles of God's Word literally becomes a little microcosm of heaven on earth. Amen? At least that's what it's supposed to be. And that's what it can be when we seek the Lord and, and really go after his word. Now, what I want to do is take you for a subtext today. I want to take you to the fifth chapter of Matthew because Jesus gets a little more in detail about this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to look at verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now let's look at this portion of the Sermon on the Mount and see how that fits into this thing of being a good neighbor. Jesus uses two uh, metaphors here to help us understand um, how we're supposed to interact with the society or the culture that we live in. The first thing he mentioned here is salt. Salt suggests at least three things, um, purity, preservation, and flavor. I'm going to look at each one of these individually. First of all, purity. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not, but in Roman days and in the time that Jesus lived and when the Roman Empire was dominating the world, salt was a symbol of purity. 
I mean, it, it, it symbolized purity. Uh, that no doubt came from the process that they used to extract salt from seawater. That they would take the seawater and uh, and and through the process of uh, evaporation, they would finally come up with salt. You see, in in Europe in those days, they did not have salt like we do here to the plentifulness that we do. We got big salt mines and so forth. We we got the salt. Out there. In fact. Um, if you'll think about it just a little bit, remember some of your uh, world history, you will know that much of the travels of merchants in those days was to find spices and bring them back. And one of the most sought after uh, elements that there is in the earth was salt. And and they, they would... It, it, Man, it, it was very expensive. It was a delicacy. In fact, many times uh, Roman soldiers were paid. When they paid them at the end of the month for their wages in the military, sometimes they'd pay them with salt. How many military people we got here in the congregation this morning? Let me ask you, what, what would you think if, if, if I, I don't know how you get your paycheck, well, it's probably deposited directly in, in, through the computer, but, but if it comes to you in the mail, how would you like to, at the end of this month, your way, you, you get a big box of salt, maybe five pounds or 10 pounds. <laughs> that, 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 wouldn't, that wouldn't say much to you right now because salt here in America, we're blessed. It's plentiful and it's relatively inexpensive. But in the day that I'm talking to you about, it was very, very expensive. And like I said, sometimes wages were even paid in salt. And, and so the process of that, they had to, they had to extract their salt from the seawater. And so it was an expensive process. And it's, it's also a purifying process that, uh, that brought the salt to them. Salt was precious, very precious. Secondly, salt was pure. Hence, we have the understanding in this sermon today that what Jesus is talking about here is the importance, the value, the preciousness, and the joy that purity can bring to one's life and how that needs to be an example to others so that uh, people around us can see the value of following Christ. In fact, Jesus in this sermon that I'm talking to you about in Matthew chapter 5, in fact, it's the longest recorded sermon by Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 if you're going to read the whole sermon. The first part of the sermon is probably the most familiar part. For in it, you will find the Beatitudes. And in verse 8 of chapter 5, Jesus made this statement, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wow. Blessed are the pure in heart. Two things immediately just jump out at me from that scripture. First of all is the fact that there is a special blessing for purity. A special blessing for purity. By the way, the, the, the word translated into the English from the Greek that, that we get the word blessed or blessed that you see in here in the Beatitudes also is the word happy is synonymous with that. Happy. There's, there's happiness in your life if you follow the ways of the Lord. One of the, one of the things that Jesus taught was how valuable it is to live a pure life. 
Now, the world doesn't understand that because it's cross-culture. It cuts across the sinfulness that the enemy is trying to promote in ungodly culture. But we're supposed to, we're supposed to stand and, and show that there is a better way. And, and you see, folks, this book is an instruction on life. And so Jesus said, your life will be happier if you live a pure life. How many of you understand this morning that, that there's more joy in your life when you live a life of godliness and integrity and purity and faithfulness and all of these things? See, it just makes things better. Makes for a better home. Makes for a better marriage. Makes for a better family. It, it makes for a better work environment when you follow the instructions of God's word. <laughs> and, and so you're blessed. If you're if you if you try to keep your life pure, uh, I heard about this one guy that came in one night. And he'd been he had a drinking problem. He'd been carousing around, and and uh, he, he came in, and and his wife was very upset and confronted him when he walked in the door. You've been drinking again, hadn't you? You'd probably been doing other stuff too, and and he got in a big argument with her, and and. Uh, that, in fact, it, it became a knockdown drag out. And he, he told me, he, the guy he was telling it to, he said, uh, he said, he asked him, he said, well, what happened at the end of that? And he said, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't see her for, uh, for two or three days after that argument. And then he said, about the fourth day, he said, I could see her just a little bit out of one eye. <laughs> so, yeah. folks, you, you'll be happier if you live right. Anybody agree with that? You, you be, it makes for a happier life if you live right. So there's a blessing that goes with living a pure life. Secondly, there is a special revelation of God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I used to read that and say, praise God. That, ble- that means that when you die, by and by, you're going to see God in the sky. No, 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 no. That's not just talking about that. That's, of course, part of it. But there's a revelation of God in this life when you live right and follow God's word. Amen? You draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. That's a promise right out of the book of James, a promise from God. So there's revelation of God. The pure in heart are the ones that can see God. They commune with God. They fellowship with God. And that always makes for a better life. Second thing about salt. It's not only represents purity, but it represents preservation. Way back before refrigeration, one of the best ways to preserve meat was to use salt. Now there's probably not anybody here old enough to remember before we had refrigerators or at least before they were really plentiful. Now we were so poor where I was raised (laughs) and my family was so poor that I, I remember the old ice box. Anybody heard of it or maybe had a grandmother or great grandmother? I don't know how far I'd have to go back to get you as old as I am, but, but way back there somewhere you heard of somebody had an ice box. There was actually somebody in the service this, the, at the first service this morning that, that actually had an ice box. They remember that. But I remember as a child when we got our first refrigerator. Boy, you talking about uptown. Now we had moved uptown. When we got ourselves a refrigerator before that ice box, what, what an ice box was, it, it was a, it was a, it looked just like a refrigerator. It just didn't have an electric motor on it. 
It was insulated all, but the ice men came around and you would buy a big block of ice. They'd bring a block of ice and, and stick it in your, the, the upper part or the lower part, wherever it is in your refrigerator that held the ice. And that ice would keep it cool, cool enough that you could uh, keep your food and your vegetables in there. But, but that was even, uh, had difficulty when it came to the meats. It did pretty good with the vegetables, but not as good with the meats. And so one of the main ways that they preserve meat before refrigeration was with salt. In fact, without salt, the meat would spoil, but it, but it, 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 it preserved. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. You and I, in this culture in which we live, we're supposed to be preserving this culture from the rottenness and the, de- uh, the, the degradation. It, and people, are, listen, folks, it's not the government's fault. It's not politics' fault. I know that they are, they are leading towards the destruction of our culture, but it's the church that's been silent far too long and isolated far too long. I'm glad you're in church this morning. We love to come together to church, and I'm glad for that, and I believe it's scriptural that we do that. But this, this, this should just refuel us and, and, and give us some more teaching and training so that we can go out there and affect this culture in a positive way. And it's, it's more needful than it's ever been. It's time for the church to start speaking up. Amen? And, 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 and be a preservative in this. Um, also, there's, there's a serving aspect to this. You see, when salt preserves that meat, salt is serving, serving the meat. It, it's a serve. Jesus is saying we need to give of ourselves to be a blessing to the culture that we live in. Third thing about salt is the flavor that it adds flavor. One of the reasons that they would travel all over the world trying to find salt and other spices was so that they could flavor their food better. Uh, Don't you just hate to get something and it's just bland? I I don't know about you, but I I like a little salt in my food. Uh, Not a lot. I don't over-salt my food, but salt brings out the flavor of the food. It's very, very special in that way. And by the way, um, one, of the prop, one of the properties of salt is to enhance or bring out the, the flavor of the food itself. Um, they tell me, I haven't reached that age yet, but they tell me as you get older that if you watch older folks, they start using more and more salt. And, and they tell me that the reason for that, doctors tell me that the reason for that is because as you get older, your taste buds are not as sharp as they used to be. And so it takes more to get the same flavor that you used to have. Um, but now listen, the purpose of salt on your food is not so you can taste salt. It's so that you can taste the food. It enhances the flavor of the food. <laughs> you know, if you if you just go, if all you can taste is salt, you might as well just get you a handful of salt and lick your salt. You know, but but if in the right proportions, in the right proportions, salt just has a way of 
of bringing out a flavor that's in the food that, that you just didn't get without it. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. We're supposed to add flavor. Our, our neighbors should be glad that we live in the neighborhood. Our, our presence should bring out goodness and, and, and better ways of life. And our, our, the more godly people, when, when you're in a neighborhood, that, there's a godly person that makes that neighborhood better. The more godly people you get in your neighborhood, the better off your neighborhood is. It just, it just adds flavor to it. It's not that we're trying to isolate ourselves. No, 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 no. We're trying to let folks know that, hey, look, you, you don't have to be afraid of us. We're not going to steal from you. We're not going to break in your house and vandalize your place. We're not, if, if you're living like you're supposed to, we're not going to be fussing with you and arguing with you. We're not going to be gossiping about you. We're not going to be, boy, it's quiet in here this morning. If we're going to add flavor to our neighborhood, we got to live like Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. So that, so that means we don't, we don't engage in those activities. In fact, the more godly people there are in your neighborhood, the safer your neighborhood is, the more secure your neighborhood is, and the more peaceful your neighborhood is. So we in the body of Christ should live in such a way that people say, man, I wish, I wish you'd move in my neighborhood. Or when you move next door to somebody, they ought to be telling all the neighbors, well, man, we got a good family just moved in here. I'm telling you right now. We got, listen, if we're going to live like the world and act like the world, we're, we're just, we're not doing the cause of Christ very much good. Uh, Bob Harrington years ago, he he, he ran into this guy and, and, and he was cussing at his neighbors and fussing with them and carrying on. And, and, and yet he claimed to be a Christian. Everybody knew where he went to church. And Bob told him, he said, why don't you backslide and be a witness in reverse? <laughs> we're, we're supposed to show folks a better way to live. That's what Jesus is talking about. Let, let's get on. <clears throat> so much with the salt. Let's go to the light. Jesus said, that you are the light of the world. Now, light is a symbol of radiance, of openness, of joy, of compatibility with the blessings that are expressed in the Beatitudes. Isn't it interesting that when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and start the Bible with the creation that God did, he starts off by saying, let there be light. Why was that the first thing? Why, why did God create light ahead of the vegetation and the animal life and all of these things? Well, <clears throat> it, it was because life, light brings life. Remember what Jesus said, said or, he's, or John is quoting and talking about Jesus in the first chapter of St. John. He said, in him was life, talking about Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of the world. What does that mean? Well, let's look at it in the plant kingdom first. In, in the plant 
kingdom, there is a process, a scientific process that we call photosynthesis. And, and so that I don't misquote it, let me just read it to you direct. Here's what photosynthesis is, literally. It's the process by which a plant under the influence of sunlight can build up in the uh, chloroform containing cells, the carbohydrates from the carbon dioxide of the atmosphere and from the hydrogen of the water in the soil. Simplified, you put a seed in the ground. The moisture from the earth is providing the hydrogen that's needed. The, uh, the, the atmosphere, as the little shoot comes through the, 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 the soil, the, the, the atmospheric uh, winds and all, provides the, the carbon dioxide that's needed. But it's the sunlight that triggers that process. It's the light beaming down on that little plant that causes all of the rest of it to operate and to work. And so you, you can say that there is life in light. Light and life go together. God said, let there be light. And then there came a life after that. Jesus is the light of the world. He said that. He is the light of the world. But then he said, ye are the light of the world. This is not a contradictory statement. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And if you're a follower of me and you'll let my light shine on you, that light will reflect out to other people. And what is that supposed to do? That light, here's the kingdom aspect of it. That light in us triggers that hunger that's naturally in every human being for God. And that's what gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity then to draw people to Jesus because the light of Christ that's shining through us causes something to, to begin to take place. It, it's, it's just like what's happening in that plant at its most infantile state that causes it to burst forth to light. When you and I are shining the light of Jesus Christ in our neighborhood and they're looking, they're saying, boy, there's something different about that person. I don't know exactly what it is. There's something different about her. She, she did, you know, they, they have the same kind of problems that we have deal with the same kind of situations we do, but they, there's just something different about them. And it causes, it causes a hunger. It causes a desire to see more about that and try to understand more about that. Oh, glory to God. Anybody, anybody glad because life brings life? Amen. Praise the Lord. Our light reflects him just like the sun is reflected off the moon or the moon reflects the light from the sun and, and, and we see it. That's what we're supposed to, to do. And, and then thirdly, our light reveals our good works so that it can give glory to God. Isn't that what Jesus said? You go back to the subtext that I gave you this morning from Matthew chapter 5. He said, you're the light of the world. But if, and he said it's important that you let your light shine because he said, if you let your light shine, men will see your good works and will glorify your father, which is in heaven. 
Here it is, folks. This is what we're supposed to be doing. That's why we're reflecting the light. We're supposed to be giving glory to God. As we let our light shine, as people see us and get to know us and know that we go through some troubles and trials and, and, and God brings us through with great victory, there, when, when they start asking us about that, you know, how did you deal with that? How in the world did you get through that? We're supposed, it's not to bring glory to us. It's not even to bring attention to us except that we immediately point that attention to Jesus Christ. It's one of the ways we witness, amen? Give glory to God. We ought to take advantage of every, every compliment we give, get to give glory to God. You know, it's not me, it's, it's the grace of God. It's the, it's the glory of God. It's the blessings of God. And that's so vitally important, so vitally important. Um, I've told you the story a number of times through the years. When first church we pastored, we had a distinguished guy that started, well, he came one Sunday, first Sunday he came to our church. First Sunday he came, believe this or not, um, he, he came and, and, uh, and, and I gave the altar call at the end of the sermon. He came and got saved. Now, he was a big wheel. He, he worked at Lockheed uh, in Marietta. They were building the big C-5A at that time, and he was way on up in management. So everybody in our little community kind of looked up to him. He was kind of a big thing. And, and so here I am, I'm, I'm a little, you know, um, pastor, pastor of my first church. I'm in my early twenties and, and I'm trying to learn all I can about pastoring because I didn't know anything about it. Um, I was raised in a church that was so small that, that all we ever did is just come together and have church. We didn't do anything else. And, uh, and I was, I was trying to figure out this whole thing. And, and so I was very interesting in, in knowing uh, what it was that caused Mr. Gordon to come to the, to, to the Lord that Sunday morning. So, man, I made a beeline for his house that afternoon. And I just, and during the conversation, I told him, I said, we're so happy to have you at our church, and we just appreciate you coming. And, and I'm just so thankful that the Lord, you know, that you gave your heart to the Lord this morning. And, and by the way, see, I, I want to learn something. I said, what was it in my message this morning that, that, touched your heart was it the was it the text or was it a particular illustration what what was it and it, he said um, nothing preacher said I I don't even remember what you preached about this morning <laughs> I, I said well what, was it was it a song that we sang or he said no he said it was Ed Bell and I said Ed Bell I said what did Ed do? I said, I don't remember him doing anything in church this morning. He said, no, it's not what he did at church this morning. He said, Ed Bell works under me at Lockheed. And he said, I've been watching Ed Bell for years. And he said, I happen to know right now, and these are his words, not mine. He said, I happen to know that Ed Bell right now is going through hell in his family. You see, his wife was dating a Atlanta Falcon football player and he was taking her to the dark side of life and her life was going down the tubes and Ed and Mary were going through the toughest time of their lives. They were crying out to God and praying. But he said, I happen to know what Ed's going through. But he said, you know, I just can't figure it out. He said, Ed still comes into work, 
singing the praises of God, whistling the, the, the songs that y'all sing at church. And he said, finally, it just got to me. He said, I had to come to your church this morning to see where he, what was going on. And he said, when you gave that altar call, I said, I want what Ed Bell's got. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't. Listen, folks, you have no idea how important you are to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. And they'll see your good works. And that'll give the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to just draw them in to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Praise God. Well, my third and final point, I, to give you this message and, and leave you without a way to apply it wouldn't do you good. So let me just give you three quick ways. There are many more, but at least three quick ways on how you can be salt and light in your neighborhood. This will help you be a good neighbor. First of all, <clears throat> by being a godly example. We, we, ought, we ought to be an example to our neighbors of what a godly life is like. You see, they, they see a lot of stuff, folks, and they hear a lot of stuff that's not really godly. They, they hear a lot about religion. And boy, this is one of the reasons the enemy gets such joy out of causing people to fall. Because then he can get the world, look at them and say, hey, see, they don't live no better than anybody else. Well, you, God's put you there to show them that they do live different than everybody else. Amen? So, so just be a godly example. Be a godly example. Secondly, your testimony. Boy, your testimony is so important. And if you would share that. Oh, if we, if we just learned to share I talk, I've talked with staff a few weeks ago and, and I had them to write out their testimony and I said, I want you to get it down to where you can share it in three minutes in just conversational form where you, it becomes comfortable for you just in a general conversation with somebody. You're not preaching at them. You're not going at them. You're, you're just, the, the door kind of opens just a little bit for you to, to, to just tell them what your life was like before you met Jesus. And then tell them what your life is like now that you don't do know Jesus and just share that testimony in just, in just about three minutes. And here's what you'll begin to notice as you share your testimony with others. Let me tell you why testimony is so important. Testimony is something you can't argue with. You can argue with doctrine. You can argue theology. You can, you know, you can split hairs over scripture. You can argue about the rapture pre post uh, or, uh, 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 mid on tribulation. You, you, can, you can argue about all of that stuff. But when somebody gives you their testimony, let's say Brother Michael Conway shares with me his testimony. I got one of two choices. I can either accept what he said or I can reject what he said. But how am I going to argue with him? I mean, it's his testimony. It's his experience. That, that, that doesn't leave me any room to argue. Like I said, all I can do with that is either accept it or reject it. And when you share your testimony with somebody, that they're left to either accept it or reject it. So I want to encourage you to start, start honing in on this and learn to just share your testimony of what the Lord's done. Take advantage of every opportunity to just get a good little word in for Jesus 
And you'd be surprised how the Holy Spirit will take it from there. And then, third and finally, random acts of kindness. Just, just, just do something unexpected for somebody. Just bless them when they're, when they're not expecting it. I had, I, I've shared with you, and I won't repeat the story because I've told it several times about Jack Kyle's in an in a airport, a little cafe in an airport years ago and what he did. But I, somebody the other day was sharing a similar testimony and, and it brought that back to mind. He, he said he, he was in a restaurant and the waitress was very curt. In fact, she was just downright rude and ugly. And so he left her a great big tip. He left her a tip that was so big that she came at him with a tip and said, you, you forgot something. And he said, no, 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 that's, that's a tip. And she said, you mean you're giving me a, a tip like this? It was something like a $20 bill for a $5 meal. And he said, yes, ma'am. And she said, why? said, I've really been kind of rude to you. He said, yes, ma'am, but I figured you must be having a tough day. And I just wanted to bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I just wanted to bless you. Long, long story short, before it was over, he was able to lead her to Jesus. Just a random, let the Holy Spirit, be open to hear the Holy Spirit and follow those little impressions. You say, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, I can tell you right now, the devil's not going to encourage you to do something good. Amen. He's not, he's not going to encourage you to bless people. So, so just find those opportunities, just a random act of kindness, just to do something that's totally unexpected and undeserved, and then point the way to Jesus. Will you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask any prayer team members we have here, staff, board members or grow group leaders, connect group leaders, come. We want to give an opportunity for you to pray if you'd like to pray today. Before, before we come, let, let, me, let me tell you this little story. It's a true story. In a cemetery, there's a little white headstone that marks the grave of a little girl who died very prematurely. And on that headstone are chiseled these words. And I'm going to read them. A child whom her playmates say it was easier to be good when she was with us. Isn't that precious? Her playmates say it's easier to be good when she's with us. That's what Jesus is talking about. When we're the salt and we're the light in our culture. The Lord had to start working on me when I was really young. Because I, I, I had a tendency because of a mischievous streak that I had to, to be quite the opposite. I remember just a, just a little boy in early grammar school. I'm talking about first, second, third grades. Boy, my teachers, they, they, I thought I was kind of special at first. They, they, they gave me a special seat kind of away from the rest of the class. And 
right up close to the teacher. And I thought, wow, she's separating me from the class. No, she wasn't. She's separating the class from me. <laughs> I got a whooping. I, they used to get whoopings in school. I mean, if it was bad. I was just in the second grade, and I found a book of matches somewhere. And I was, I was trying to strike a match at the gas tank of a, a school bus, and uh, they, they did. I was a would-be terrorist before they even knew what they were. But I, I had heard that gasoline and fire really could create uh, some excitement. And it's a thank the Lord they caught me before that thing went down the gas tank because I wouldn't be here this morning if, if it had gotten to that point. <laughs> but I, I was on the opposite end. So the Lord had to start working me when I was really little to get my life changed and, and turned around. I think I was ADHD before they came up with the terms. I, I think that's what it, probably what, what part of my problem was. But this little girl on her tombstone, it says by her playmates that it was easy to be good when she was with us. You know, our neighbors ought to look at us and say, you know, it's, it's just easier to do right when they're around. It, it just creates a better atmosphere when they're around. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, but how many, how many of you standing here this morning? You, you know what I'm talking about right here. There are certain folks that when you see them, let, let's say you're in the grocery store and you're pushing your buggy and you're fixing to turn down this aisle. And if you see them and you realize they haven't seen you, you it's easier to, it, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand now. Don't, don't raise your hand, but you, you, you know what, you know who I'm, there, there, there are some folks that you just rather, you know, they lighten a room when they leave. But you, you just rather not run into it. You just don't want to go through that again. You've heard enough pessimism for the day. You, you just, you just don't. But, but how about this? Aren't there other people that if you're in the grocery store and, and maybe you weren't going to go down that aisle, you just kind of look down that aisle, but you look and, and see, oh, and you just turn and say, wow, let me, and, and you, you want to speak to them because every time you run into that person, they encourage you. They, they just kind of edify you. They, they just kind of lift you up. They're just, they just create an atmosphere that's, that's blessed. Those are, that's what Jesus is talking about us being. He's not trying to give us some hard, difficult formula and tell you you need four years of Bible college and six years of seminary so you can, so you can share the word. No, no, no. Jesus was talking to the crowd of people that were just people that were working jobs and, and just happened to be heard about his ministry and came out to hear him. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You can reach people this morning that a preacher will never be able to reach. You can reach people that we'll never have the opportunity in this church to speak to unless you reach them where they are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The altar's open. If you have a need for prayer, if you're unsaved, come give your heart to Jesus today. If you're away from God, come on back home. 
If you need healing for your body, let us join hands with you and believe in prayer and pray for you and trust God to meet your need. If you if you're struggling financially or you've got a need in your family or your job or whatever, just come. Or if you just want to come and find a place just to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to realize the opportunities that are before me this coming week. Help me to be salt and light to this world. God bless you. The altar's open. Let's take the next few minutes to pray before we're dismissed. Will you do that?